Yeah, hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Man City Voice podcast. Um, I'm Peter, I'm your host, and yeah, in um, it's been a while since I've, I've done one of these, um, mainly due to kind of like Christmas, being off, um, a few kind of technical issues. I did actually record, I think, one episode, um, but I had major issues. Basically, I use um, an app called um, Anchor, um, and it's um, it's a really good app, but uh, there are a few kind of little bugs with it and things. So I tried to record it a couple of times, thought I did, tried to publish it, didn't happen, my phone froze, I lost the, uh, I lost the recordings, about two hours each. Uh, about two hours of my life that I'm never going to get back. Um, but anyway, here we are. So it's been a while since we have looked to see. And obviously it's been a very busy period over the Christmas and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it's just a bit of a kind of um, kind of shooting from the hip one really. No kind of real plan. Just going to go a bit kind of... Um, just a few thoughts on kind of what's happened over the Christmas period. Obviously, um, it's been, as far as uh, City are concerned and being a City fan's concerned, it's definitely been up and down, let's put it that way, over the Christmas period. Um, just a bit, yeah, just a bit of a kind of a bit of a strange one. Um, obviously, up until this point, pretty much from the beginning of what, last season, we haven't really had any kind of... Um, dodgy spells or dodgy patches i mean there was that kind of i think it's about it was april time 2018 um when i think we kind of lost to united and then lost to lost to liverpool and and in a few games so um there was that spell but nothing really kind of too concerning obviously the um the the loss to united was then kind of negated by the fact um that they stupidly lost to uh to west brom handing us the title um which was rather funny um and then obviously the the kind of liver you know the liverpool loss was the liverpool loss i think to be fair actually and especially in that second leg against um against liverpool in the champions league that's particularly that first half we were just we were brilliant we were unbelievable we should probably at least score two or three goals we had one goal well, that should have been uh, that was obviously ruled weirdly offside which obviously never should have been etc etc so um and like I said, other than that, we've not really had a period other than kind of Pep's first um, uh, season in charge where there was um, there was a couple of games. One of them, I think it was around when we, we played Leicester and they just basically battered us at, um, at the King Power. Um, it was around kind of that period where we just kind of went went a bit flaky and that's pretty much where we, we lost the, the league around that time. And then towards the end of that season, we kind of picked it up. Um, managed to finish was it third or fourth or whatever it was and then um and then obviously the the last season the centurion season was the centurion season so we don't need to really say anything more than that so a bit of a weird one as far as being a city fans concerned just because we haven't really had that period we've lost you know lost to chelsea lost to leicester lost to palace um and just a bit odd really and like i said i think the I think the Chelsea one, um, I think the Chelsea one you can kind of take, you know what I mean? It's kind of, it's one of these, one of these defeats where, you know what, we played reasonably well. We didn't look as potent as we have done um, throughout the whole of the season. But, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things really, wasn't it? It's just, um, I think they, they had a couple of chances, they finished theirs. We had, in fairness, probably a few more chances than they did. Um, and uh, probably a, a, a lot more or better, better, better part of the game, particularly in the first half. In the second half was a little bit more even, but realistically, um, the you know the game was pretty, pretty, pretty even. I think City um, overall, um, I think probably played a little bit better than Chelsea. But in terms of kind of that kind of you know tactical play and um, getting the better of us and making the most of their chances, I don't think many City fans um, had any real qualms with with the fact that we kind of lost that match really kind of pretty much you know sorry eventually um doing one over on pep after a, um, a number of uh, losses against him so um so yeah but then we move into um the losses against leicester and palace and it's just yeah just a bit weird and frustrating um and i suppose the main takeaway is obviously it's been a while now it's 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 a good few days ago but i personally i think um what's happened over those period is just the as it's just highlighted despite the fact that uh kind of de bruyne came back and then he was out again and now he's kind of um now he's back again um i think it's just highlighted the fact just how i know we knew this already this is not kind of new news i'm not kind of um highlighting something that you're gonna be like oh my god i never knew that um but yeah it's gonna be it's just highlighted the, how important 
David Silva and particularly Fernandinho is to this team. And like we said, you know, John Stone's playing in um, central midfield. I've said this before. I think I've perhaps mentioned that on one of the previous podcasts and I've definitely mentioned it in kind of uh, the odd kind of tweet here and there. But I, he's, he's good. He's decent. But realistically for me, um, and he can fill in there, um, he's, he's a centre-back. Um, his, he's, I just, I think just because of his kind of physicality, um, the fact that just how tall and rangy he is, it doesn't really suit being, um, being a centre midfielder. I think the only exception to that in kind of recent years, and I was obviously still playing now, um, to a pretty good effect, let's be honest, but is someone like Sergio Busquets for Barcelona who is, um, I don't think he's as tall as John Stones, but I don't, I don't know, I don't know specifically. Um, it's just Busquets looks a little bit taller because he's generally played with um, people like um, Iniesta and Javi and people like that in front of him, um, and even like Rakitic now and that kind of thing. They're not just, well, clearly, not the tallest of players. So, um, I don't know, I could be wrong. I don't really know. It doesn't really matter. But just in terms of kind of getting about the pitch, just kind of physical, I mean, um, as it proven, we'll kind of come on to talking about um, the Liverpool match um, in, in a sec, in a bit, and just how good and how important kind of Fernandinho has been to City um, this season, and in particular in the big, big matches, and in particular against Liverpool um, just a few days ago. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have a look at that. But yeah, just the, the, the losses, strange, kind of a few things. I think, like we said, against against Chelsea. Um, and perhaps it'd been coming for a, for a while, a little bit. I mean, we just kind of there's been a few games this season where we've looked really red hot. Um, I would say pretty much on par with the kind of 2017, 2018 um, season. Um, I think we'd looked up until kind of winter time, you know, like summer, summer, autumn. I think defensively looked better. Obviously, Laporte was having one hell of a season. Stones having a really good season. Um, but then, you know, you have problems in the fullback area, which I think is a big problem for City, and they are going to have to look at it kind of long term. Um, uh, for me, I think when we get Mendy back, I think it, those issues are alleviated a little bit. He's not perfect. He's not the perfect left back, let's be honest. He's, um, he's uh, you know, a phenomenal athlete. He's got a great left foot. He whips in a really dangerous cross. Um, but for but for me, he's, you know, he's not, um, he's not perfect. He's not got, I would say, the kind of the the finesse and the defensive stability that perhaps a kind of all round uh, and all round um, left back has. Um, I think the, but you know, it, it's it, unfortunately with with those sorts of positions when you're playing kind of left back or right back or whatever, you're never really going to be the kind of the best technical player on the pitch or um, or or you know the kind of one of the one of the better you know one of the better players. If you, you know if you were if you were one of the better players, if you were one of the more technical players, clearly you'd be in midfield, so or you'd be in front or whatever. So there's a kind of balance to be had, and a bit like similar to kind of um, it's quite interesting to watch Robertson against uh, against against Sterling. I think that was quite a good matchup. I think Rob, uh, Robertson got uh, got the better of Sterling in quite a number of occasions. I think Sterling kind of on uh, one or two occasions got the better of uh, got the better of Robinson. Probably should have had a penalty. Um, but yeah, I think kind of Robertson's probably one of the best left backs that I've seen um, in recent years. That kind of has that balance between attack and defend, um, has that technical awareness as well, um, and just a, just a really good player. I mean, I've, it's it's amazed me the kind of the journey. It's amazed him and his fan, probably everyone, the journey that he's been on from kind of the lower um, the the lower reaches of um, of Scottish football. To now playing, uh, being at the top of the of the Premier League and in the Champions League for Liverpool, so it's quite a quite a feat, really, in terms of what he's achieved in terms of his own personal um, ambition. And he kind of got there through, you know, yes, great kind of technical technical ability and that kind of thing, but just kind of sheer determination as well. And and, um, and I think that has to be applauded. Now, quite really, in, was like I said, we'll come on to the Liverpool match in a sec, but I was quite intrigued by that matchup. And I think um, I think it was kind of fairly even at the end at the end of it. Um, I think in order to kind of get the better of Robertson in 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 some ways, I think Sterling had to kind of come off the line a bit and go a little bit more central, which kind of 
um, enabled them to get that space and it kind of caught I think it caught Liverpool out a little bit in a few of occasions but but anyway so that left back and the right back um, positions for City I think they're going to need looking at they're going to I mean like I said I'm quite happy with the um, with Danilo and Walker at the moment I think you're going to get kind of too much better um, than that at the moment um, you know it's like I said it's tricky there, there aren't too many better left you know even kind of the best left backs and full backs that have been around um, for many years now I think, I think I'm kind of you know Marcelo for, for Real Madrid for instance he's you know he He's he's got great technical ability and great going forward. Um, always kind of chips in with a with a goal, which for a fullback is um, is quite um, impressive. But clearly, those are kind of there. There are kind of those that might kind of question. Um, perhaps I think to be honest, he's I think he's actually quite a decent defender. He's obviously very pacey. Um, I think in kind of one on one matchups, I think he he matches up fairly well to to his wingers. But I think generally, what happens is because of his kind of. Um, the the way that he plays and the fact that he kind of pushes pushes on so much, it, I think kind of tactically, it, that's why someone like Ramos has been so important for Real Madrid, kind of to, to you know effectively cover him um, when he is kind of bombing forward. So yeah, I think just a bit of a, a note, maybe looking forward to something to kind of um, focus on. I know that it's, it sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? We spent all like hundreds of millions of pounds um, on fullbacks, and it feels like. Um, that's still a bit of a problem area, but I don't know. I I've, I really like Walker. I think he's a really good player. He's probably ha- perhaps not having the best month of his career or whatever in December, but I don't think there's there's that um, that much need for kind of caution or concern. I just think um, I just think he's kind of a uh, you know a, li- a little bit lacking in confidence or form or whatever. But Danilo, I think he's an you know an ample replacement. I, I, again, he's kind of got his, his shortcomings as well, but um, I, I thought he played really well against Liverpool and I think you can rely on him. I think now he's obviously back from, um, from injury. I think he's a, he's, a, he's a good option. He's very versatile. He can play right back or left back and I think that's, that's good for City going forward. You know, ideally, we may want to look at some, um, uh, some perhaps up-and-coming players, maybe some players in our youth team or whatever. Obviously, there's the the, the Crystal Palace right back. I can't remember his name, but it's like um, Wan Masaka or something, whatever his name is. But um, he's just come through at the moment. Um, haven't seen kind of too much of him, but from what I have, he looks, you know, he looks sprightly. Um, he looks committed. Um, I don't know about his kind of technical ability or whatever. Um, so, you know, frustratingly, obviously, Liverpool have probably got the young... Um, right back at the moment um, and then Alexander-Arnold who personally I think um, should should probably play a bit further forward I think he's going to be another one not, not saying he's necessarily going to be the next Gareth Bale here but he is like the kind of a, the Bale type where you know Bale started off as a left fullback but he had such kind of technical and athletic um, kind of prowess that it was only a matter of time before he was going to be pushed further at the park and now he's effectively playing as a striker so um, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen with um, with Alexander Rana but I, I just think because of how good he is technically I think that's that's um, an inevitability so interesting to see where kind of where City go with this and I think in terms of kind of club perspective and what I may hear and see and read and things um, they 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 try to integrate their transfer policy with their with with the academy, so if there's a good right back coming forward, for instance, or a good left back, or good any any position really, and there's a potential at least that they might be able to make it into the first team, um, they won't buy a similarly kind of young or maybe even kind of three or four years older um, player because before that reason. So um, I can't see anyone at the moment in kind of an RU team that perhaps can um, can can come in and fill that that void um obviously you've got um um you've got the um Asabiario is obviously out loan at West Brom but I definitely don't think he's a right back definitely more of a centre back um he seems to be pretty comfortable on the ball obviously getting a lot of good experience at the moment playing for West Brom in the championship they're doing pretty well this season um you've got Latavodier uh, I think that's how you pronounce it we'll go with that um <laughs> who's uh who's uh who was part of the England uh, with Foden, part of the England um, under-17 team that won the won the World Cup, and I think he's like captain for um, or for for some of the younger age groups as well. So 
he looks sort of kind of on the for me he looks for he played centre back um, for England in that World Cup and for me and I think he's played centre back for, for some of the younger city teams but for me he doesn't look the tallest I haven't seen him recently I don't know if he's had a, like, a little growth spurt something to keep an eye on but um, potentially because he's not the tallest I think that could mean potentially if, if he is um, athletic and good on the ball which from what I've seen he is um, he seems very good on the ball very technical um, that potentially he, he might be able to kind of uh, fill that spot I don't know we'll, we'll kind of we'll see but like I said I think the full back positions um, they're just there's something of a kind of, of, a, of a, you know, a minor concern there where it, we definitely need more cover at left back I don't know what the long term solution for that is in my personal opinion if I, if I was in charge of city transfer policy or kind of trying to get the deals I would go for, for Chilwell, I'll go for Ben Chilwell of Leicester. It would put pressure on Mendy to perform at the highest level and get his kind of, you know, his attitude off the pitch um, in check, which I think has been a bit of concern for Pep since he signed. Um, yeah, he's he kind of, he's that kind of likeable, crazy kind of figure, you know, on, online, on social media, that kind of thing. It seems like a really good guy to have around the changing rooms, but um, perhaps he could be a disruptive element and perhaps off out of the kind of the you know the changing rooms and um, outside of football maybe doesn't kind of live the life that a professional footballer has and there that's the kind of inference that we've had from some um senior uh senior journalists that kind of know certain people at city and kind of speak to these people um that kind of thing so it, it, an interesting note but I just think having kind of Zinchenko there or Delft there or Danilo kind of Finland left back I don't think it puts the pressure on Mendy I think he just knows that when he's back as long as he's kind of like you know pretty much pretty much there firing and kind of um, putting it in and training he's gonna he'll play but I think if he had someone like Ben Chilwell there he knows that he would have to be putting it in on off and in his sleep kind of you know that because Ben Chilwell kind of comes across as a I just really like him. I think, you know, he played for England recently. Um, really, really impressed me. I don't know if any of the kind of um, listeners remember um, uh, Lizarazu for, for France um, and Bayern Munich. He was uh, an outstanding left-back. But Chilwell just reminds me of him. Just really, really technical, but really steady, reliable, um, confident. Um, uh, but, you know, can, can also show moments of class as well so uh, I don't know for me I'd, I'd, I'd just yeah I think it, it might be a little bit for obviously this is the same Liz Arouse, the World Cup le- winning left back um, for France um, so yeah it might be a, kind of a, a bit of a stretch maybe but I just think um, from um, you know I tend to think a pretty good judge of kind of footballer and, footballer and whether they've got you know the ability at the highest level to do um, to do well and I just think uh, Chilwell was impressed me ever since he got his his debut at um at Leicester so it's kind of taken a bit of time um to uh to kind of cement that left back position as his own and he's pretty much done that now obviously um a couple of years after Leicester won the title um which he kind of played a little bit of a bit part in so yeah just I don't know I think like I said I think the fullback area is a, is a slight concern so good to kind of con- concentrate that a little bit have a little bit of discussion around that um and just a bit of a note moving forward like I said I think we've got enough cover at right back um, you know clearly we've got Walker and Danilo but um, you know if push games to, to shove you've got um, you've got Stones that can play there as well um, and you've got a few other players that can kind of play there as well I remember kind of a couple of um, was it uh, last was it last season I don't know anyway it was um, not so long ago that kind of even like Fernandinho for instance was um, uh, could, could play that I wouldn't one minute suggests that Fernandinho should play there as kind of a, a full-time thing but there are there are the point is there are plenty of people within that squad that could do a job and even if you're kind of playing three at the back I think having even someone like Sterling who's got an unbelievable engine as that kind of right wing back wouldn't be so wouldn't be so bad in my in my opinion um you know especially as Sterling he's not only got an engine but what's really hard for the team pretty hard to kind of get round um so yeah, anyway, we've got, yeah, I think we've got options of right back. I think left back. Personally, I think we need another. Like Danilo puts pressure on Walker, and obviously um, Walker hasn't been performing recently. Hence, why Danilo started in the Liverpool match. I think we need, um, and it, you know, it's a pretty obvious thing to say, but I think we not we don't just need somebody that's 
I'm going to be uh, a somebody that's definitely a, a backup, if that makes sense, but somebody that can really put pressure on the on Mendy, for instance, who um, who I think does need that pressure and does need that um, that that. Yeah, you know, that kind of pressure putting on him because if he's not going to perform, or if he is going to be out injured constantly, if he is going to be very injury prone, then we need somebody there that's um, that's that's going to kind of step up. And like I said, I'd be more than happy to get Chilwell because I think Chilwell on 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 balance would is is a more balanced uh, left back than than Mendy. So uh, yes, just an interesting note. But like I said, over the Christmas period, we just that's been a major issue for us I think centre-backs um, not not really an issue at all I think Edison's done fairly well um, keep hearing like these you know these little kind of snipes at Edison about perhaps maybe not making saves and things like that but he's made enough saves over this Christmas period um, more notably obviously straight after the Allenson save um, against Aguero um, so the one uh, the, the kind of one-on-one be Salah where Aguero uh, where Pep Guardiola went crazy at the ref because uh, a free kick hadn't been given so um so yeah, I think you know Edison's fine. Fullback areas you've talked about. I think centre back positions. I think fair. I'm fairly fairly comfortable with. Um, again, once again, you could even if you're really really struggling there, you could um, even someone like Fernandinho could kind of drop in there and I think do a job and he kind of has done on on the odd occasion. But you know Otamendi was um, for me the best the centre back um, for City last season. It hasn't really had that much of a look in this season. Um, a bit, of, you know, a bit of a kind of um, a rotation player. Obviously, I think until you look at the amount of games he's played and that kind of thing, he's, he's played a fair amount of games. But the main partnership in the big matches, um, or at least the main two players in that kind of defence, has been Laporte and Stones. Obviously, Laporte has played kind of left back for um, in the Liverpool match, which I don't think is a bad option. And like you said, it, it, it but it goes to show that we probably you, we need we need that long term replacement. Like you said at fullback, you know, we can't, Laporte has been our best centre back, and he's having to play left back. So it's it's not it's not really an ideal position to be in. And even though I think perhaps from Guardiola's perspective, he would expect a lot of it, if not all of his players, to be able to play in multiple positions, with probably the exception of like Sergio Aguero, for instance. Um, but I don't know. Interesting one, anyway. I think, like I said, centre midfield. It's it's a tricky one, and we've and I've said this before in a, on a previous episode, a previous podcast episode. Um, who are we gonna have? To, who are we gonna get to replace Fernandinho? Because um, let's be, and I I think it goes to show, like I said, in the last few games where he's not been available and we've lost. Um, that's how how important he is. He, he breaks things up, but he puts you on puts you on the back foot. Can be on the front foot. Intercepts really well. Reads the ball really well. Jumps really high for headers. Can play round plays and kind of short little passes. Plays unbelievable long passes. Um, he's athletic. He's just ridiculous. Um, there's just a, not another player like I haven't seen another player like that in world football. He's just and he's 33. He's phenomenal. It's amazing. I mean, I think he's always been that player to a certain degree, but he is really kind of pushing the envelope a bit, isn't he? With uh, um, with his with his with his performances at the moment. I and I think I'm not going to do it now, but I did do it not so long ago. My kind of like top five players this season, um, and I think and a couple of months ago it was um, David Silva was was number one. Um, and Fernandini was number two, but I think what's happened over the the Christmas period is a when Fernandini has not been there, it's we've been shown up and we've come we've we fell short, and I think he is a big part of that kind of midfield jigsaw puzzle. Um, but also, as much as David Silva has played really really well this season, I think he's um, in some in some aspects of the game just again just kind of raised the bar again on his performance. We didn't think it'd be possible, but it. It has been. The one thing I have noted, I don't know whether, I think it's perhaps because he might be struggling with like a little bit of a niggle. Um, and obviously he has been out over the Christmas period. But it didn't play in the big matches. This is why I think I'm kind of switch, switching it. Um, and, and for me, currently, Fernandinho has been my player of the season. I know I keep flip-flopping, but um, it's going to take some performances from David Silva and other players to now oust Fernandini if he carries on with his current performance levels because 
he is not only well, like we said when he's when he's not there have we have we felt it when he is there particularly in the big game so particularly I mean against um, Chelsea for instance he he was outstanding but particularly against Liverpool he was absolutely unbelievably outstanding um, and I just think he's done that in the big games against United for instance he was brilliant as well and I just think in those big games Fernandinho this season has really stepped up he's you know generally 8 or 9 out of 10 anyway for every single performance but those big games you could even argue that he's been 9 or 10 out of 10 for some of those from those big matches and I think that realistically in terms of um, in my assessment of the of the whole season, we're kind of just um, halfway through the season now. In terms of my assessment of who's been who's been the best in terms of their all-round overall impact, I think you have to take into consideration the fact that Fernandinho has been there in those big big matches and had such a high high level of performance. Um, and like we said, who are we going to get to replace him? I don't know. Obviously, the one of the, the obvious ones that I mentioned before is someone like Kanti, but I think he's just recently extended his contract at Chelsea. It, you know, realistically, it's going to take, what, 60, 70 million, something like that to prize him away from Chelsea when he's not that much younger than Fernando. I think it could maybe a good five, six years, which, you know, is, is plenty. Um, bearing in mind Fernandinho is coming to the kind of the peak of his powers, but it just depends how long the peak of it that this peak lasts for, um, and age can can kind of really catch up on you. You know, obviously, like we said, he's he's 33 now, but who knows? I come this time next season, we could really he could really be showing his age and uh, and and legs, and it could it could be getting better. Let's hope not. I hope Fernandinho kind of continues this for the next two or three seasons and then we don't really have to worry about it and then it kind of um, prolongs it a bit and I know obviously um, uh, De Jong's been mentioned from Ajax kind of coming in potentially to um, to kind of fill that kind of centre midfield or just kind of bolster numbers there and play, um, play in centre midfield and he's been doing really well for Ajax um, but he's going to have to go some to be able to kind of oust Fernandinho or it's going to kind of Coincide with the you know the demise effectively of, of Fernandinho with his with his increasing kind of performance and maturity and that kind of thing. So it, that's kind of an interesting one to watch. I know there have been a lot of rumours. I think isn't it been confirmed that kind of Rabiot is going to Barcelona, for instance, um, which means PSG have a, a um, some money to spend or something to kind of consider in terms of their centre midfield. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know, and it kind of in a, a an interesting one to go for because it is it, it is it is so important that kind of centre midfield position for 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 City, and even though someone like Gundogan perhaps when he kind of when he plays there um, does a fairly decent job, and one thing I know I think he gets um, um, he gets a bit of kind of hate online and that kind of thing Gundogan, I'm not sure why. I think he's kind of one of the more likable people, likable characters. I just really love listening to him. He's got some kind of just sweet little voice. <laughs> um, but, you know, and he's kind of just seems, kind of comes across, especially with his, some of his social media stuff, particularly started at City. Um, just a really nice, genuinely kind of all right guy. Um, just kind of loving his life as being a professional footballer. And it just kind of really came across, and that's something that kind of endeared me to, to, to him. So, yeah, just... Um, I don't know. It, he's but the good. Like I said, the good thing about um, Gundogan is that he's he can be quite he, he can be versatile. But he plays those even though like the roles in terms of the difference between um, the expectations for our defensive midfielders and our attacking midfielders are quite are vast in terms of their expect the expect that expectation. And I think Gundogan kind of plays that role quite well in terms of being able to switch from one to another. Which is what do I really like, and that's why I think he should continue at City. I don't think there's any reason to get rid of him. I think unless he ups his game and his match performance, I can't really see him starting or being an absolute nailed-on starter. But that's kind of up to him. Like I think he's got the talent there. Um, he's kind of slightly <coughs> aging a little bit. I think he's kind of toward the end of his, you know, kind of late twenties. But um, 
I don't know. I quite, I, like I said, I quite, I quite like Gundogan, but like I said, he's not really a, not really a starter. And I think can fill in for, for Fernandinho when he's not there. But he's just, he just, he's not that. He's not Fernandinho. He's not that player. I think he's got potential to be, a, you know, different, but different in a really good and positive way, perhaps um, in the future. So we'll see how that goes. I just really like the way. Um, I think good, you know, Gundogan's kind of into changing and his little kind of short passes. Um, and the movement over the it, within tight spaces um, is really impressive, and that's why I think potentially he could be um, a perhaps maybe fill in there, perhaps later on in his career. I don't know, but the, the, obviously the thing that happens with um, or the, the you know the amazing thing with Fernandinho is that he's you know he's thirty three and he just the way he just gets around the pitch, just the fact that he's just so athletic is. Um, is is just ridiculous, and he is just a ridiculous player. So, um, so anyway, um, that's that. And obviously, um, in terms of kind of uh, you know strike force, but I think it, that's that's been going fairly well. Obviously, you know, in recent, obviously, we've the, as uh, as I'm recording this, we've just beaten um, uh, Rotherham seven nil. Um, which, bear in mind, you know, kind of championship outfit, or whatever. That's that's pretty impressive, really. Um, and yeah, I think the wingers. Um, I think they've done really well this season. I think Sane, Sterling, um, and Mares um, have all contributed. All look pretty. Um, all look pretty good in, in a lot, most of the games that they've played. And so, yeah, I've got nothing really to kind of to say about those. I think they're, they're, they will continue to do well for sitting um, again. Kind of Sterling, you know, getting more kind of assists and goals and just being just being involved. and just been so impressed with just how he now takes the game to the opposition. I think he's got that confidence, which is really strong. Um, and it's nice to see Aguero back. Aguero back in the goals, um, and we'll talk about Aguero in a sec. Just in terms of um, that Liverpool goal, because just how good was that goal? It was just ridiculous. I love that goal. Um, so yeah, obviously that's that's kind of it in terms of like a, squ- a reflection on the squad. Bearing in mind what's happened over the winter, um, uh, you know, the kind of the one kind of major question mark, I suppose, in terms of. What we're going to do with him is is probably like Vincent Company, for instance. So he's a, you know he's an absolute legend of the club. But what you know what do we do with him? If I was in charge, I would just continue to pay him and uh, just just say you know play play when you can or whatever. But it, it it can't escape any City fan or even like the coaching staff, even himself. I imagine that he he can't really carry on like this, can it? I don't know. It's a bit of a you know, you can't re- haven't been able to rely on him for the last kind of couple of seasons now. Uh, even against Liverpool, where he had an absolutely outstanding match, you know, um, irrespective of whether you think he should have still been on the pitch at the end of the match, or whether he should have been sent off for that kind of Salah challenge. Personally, I think. Um, personally, I think that it 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 was he shouldn't have left the floor, which gives the referee definitely food for thought. But I just think um, it. Because of the, okay, so the kind of didn't make connection with with the player, whether that matters or not. Being kind of, I don't know, just assessing how football should be played. I don't think um, it was that over the top. I think it was a strong challenge. Like I said, I think if he would have kind of dragged his floor, his foot on the floor rather than in the air, I think um, there would be absolutely no question that it would have um, should have been a, should have been a red. So, um, and like I said, I think pundits and, and fans think one of what I've seen are pretty split on it. So I don't think it's kind of an overwhelming majority thought he should have been sent off. So anyway, um, but yeah, just what we're going to do long term with him because, like I said, he, 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 you just can't rely on him. And like, even though um, in the kind of pecking order for me, it's Laporte Stones who uh, who are the, the, obviously the number one in terms of um, the best centre back. Otamendi is um, an, uh, a really good solid. Um, uh, standing, like I said, for me, he was the best centre back last season, um, and I'm more than happy to have him as as someone that can play fairly regularly, but essentially is kind of like backup um, in terms of um, two Laporte and Stones. But then it's kind of you need somebody else, and company at the moment is that somebody else that he's he's just so important. He has been so important. And almost continues to be, as you've seen in the Liverpool match, just how good he is and how positive he, he, a positive an impact he has on the pitch. And some of his passes, no, like I don't think even like kind of Laporte Stones are at that level where he, they're not necessarily kind of clipped over players, but they're through. They're kind of like 
you know, like kind of uh, the you know the old RB or whatever it is on uh, on FIFA, where he's absolutely smashed it to somebody, but over a good kind of 50 yards or 40 yards or whatever, and he's absolutely smashed it across the floor through about three or four kind of opposition defenders, tackers, whatever, and it's straight to Fee, and he and he does that with absolute ease. Um, and it, it just amazes me. Like I said, when he, I remember when he first started, I was there at company's first match when he played. Um, I think, I don't know who the manager was. I'm pretty sure it was Mark Hughes was the manager. But um, but he played in centre midfield. He, like, his first match. He was just, like, spraying passes left and right. I was like, oh, this... I was like... I was like, oh, I always thought company was a defender. I remember watching... Um, anybody else remembers this? But I remember watching a match. I mean, this was many, many, many years ago. Company would have been about 17 or 18 or something. He would have been very, very young. But he played in a in a World Eleven, and I'm pretty sure it was a bit, a bit of a random world, a World Eleven because I think he had like El House El Juf in it. So I think it was around the time of um, of the kind of 2002 World Cup. I think it would have been so maybe just after that, um, or definitely around that time. But he. Yeah, so company played in this kind of World Eleven team. It was at the New Camp. Um, I can't remember what it was for. Probably some kind of good cause or something like that. But I remember um, there was loads of good players on the pitch, but uh, company was kind of there as like this up-and-coming kind of centre-back. One of the, you know, the, he was playing for Anderlecht at the time and just one of these kind of players to look out for. Um, and he soon got his move. I think it was like to Hamburg, wasn't it, in Germany. Had a few injuries. And then obviously made his way to, um, to City after that. So... Um, yeah, I was kind of aware of company from a very, very early age. Like I said, I watched that um, that kind of World Eleven match with him in it, um, and then, uh, like I said, when he first signed, he kind of I think Mark Hughes, I'm pretty sure it was Mark Hughes, but he played him in centre midfield, and I was kind of thinking, I thought he was a centre. I thought in that World Eleven match, and on on like Championship manager, I'm I'm pretty sure this company guy, um, he's a he's a centre back, but. Um, he came in, played centre midfield, spraying passes left, right, and centre. Uh, and I was like, oh, well, maybe, maybe this guy is a, um, maybe he's a, a centre midder as well, or maybe he's kind of converted to a, a, a centre midfielder. I don't know. But um, as we have now know, and as we have now found out, he has been one of the best centre backs and there's ever been in the Premier League, and there has been in kind of world football over the last kind of ten years. So it's, um, yeah, it's kind of sad to kind of see his decline. But it happens to everyone. Um, like I said, if if he, he can do pretty much whatever he wants at City, I'm pretty sure. So it's it's kind of up to him, really, isn't it? What he wants, what he does, and what he wants to do. But um, it's in terms of get you know focusing on transfer. Obviously, the, the the transfer window in terms of the the January transfer window is open now. Um, I don't think it's time to kind of push any panic buttons or anything like that. I think Pep's more than happy to work with the players that he's got. But it's just something. It's kind of you know it's food for thought, isn't it? It's going to be do we do we carry on like this where we can't rely on one of the players in our squad and it potentially puts us at a bit of a disadvantage if we have a couple of injuries at centre back. Um, or do we just kind of do we just kind of go yeah do we just kind of go with it? I don't need, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, you know, does uh, how does Adebayo get on at, at West Brom? Is he is he of that level yet? I mean, he's still very young. From what I've seen of him, he is. Um, he looks he looks pretty promising for, to me. Um, he's very physical. He's big. I think he'll kind of fill out as well. Um, a bit like I think uh, Company did over the years. Um, I think when he kind of first joined, when I definitely when I saw him in that um, that world that world eleven when he was in his early teens uh, or late kind of late teens. But anyway, um, he would he was just this big gangly thing. Um, but now he's kind of a big kind of solid man, muscle man thing. Um, and I think that's kind of hopefully going to be the same about Abiaria. But I don't know if he's of that level. It's di- really difficult to tell. I think with um, with centre backs, like I said, he's. He seems pretty pretty comfortable on the ball, but I don't know if he's a I don't think he's a pep levels of a bit of comfortable on the ball. Um, and yeah, I think it remains to be seen. But um, fair play to him, like I've you know follow him on on Twitter, and he seems to be very much tr- still trying to promote the fact that he's part. You know, he's a city player, and he's um, following City, and he's, he's um, you know basically cheering them on for matches and that kind of thing. So. I think he's still very much of uh, the mindset, um, and that's kind of a, the positive thing, really, that he wants to play for, for City. This is just kind of a loan period for him. He's going to come back, and hopefully he's going to try and push um, uh, push the, the guys that are currently in those positions. And I really like that. I think that's, 
um, that's, that can only be a positive thing. So perhaps he's going to be there um, as somebody to kind of re- replace company in the long term. I don't know. Um, but yeah, onto the uh, onto the Liverpool match. Um, just firstly, what a match it was. Not for um, not for a, probably a City fan or a Liverpool fan watching it, but just kind of on reflection at, at the time when I was watching it. Um, very nerve wracking, particularly when we were in the lead both times. Um, for some reason, I felt a little. I felt calmer when it was nil nil. I don't know why. Maybe we was kind of playing, um, and we just we didn't kind of play particularly amazingly. Like I said, I think this has been noted, but it you know it wasn't um, it wasn't the kind of free flowing kind of pep style football. It was you know it wasn't the kind of five nil that we um, that we gave to, to to Liverpool. And yes, I know they were down to ten men, but it you know it wasn't wasn't that performance, but. It was uh, it was fairly decent, I would say, and what I would say is that, and it's been noted before, but it's something I've obviously noted as well. Um, it's just the, the sheer kind of desire of the team to, you know, and want to win and the will to win um, for that match. And I think that's where um, that's where I think we had it. I think we wanted as a collective wanted to win that game more. Um, and these things are small margins. They could be kind of half percent, one percent, two percent. You know, it's, it's very small, very small margins. Of course, everybody on that pitch, you know, in a red shirt, wanted to win the match. But I just think they're kind of, you know, that midfield area was really, really important. And particularly Bernardo and Fernandinho, and to a kind of a lesser extent, but um, I think clearly had something kind of wrong with him. Um, but David Silva as well. That kind of midfield area, what they lacked in kind of physicality and you know just general weight and height. Um, they more than made up for and kind of um, sheer desire and aggression and, and tackles and um, yeah, just kind of getting in Liverpool midfield's faces really. Um, so yeah, it was um, a, like I said, I'm reflecting a really kind of interesting, you know, enjoyable, watchable kind of match uh, in terms of kind of an advert for the Premier League. Obviously, watching as an actual City fan is a bit um, a bit nerve wracking to say the least. And like I said, particularly when we went kind of one 0 up and then two one up. Um, those last few minutes went really, really slow, and the extra time was uh, was just so infuriating. Really, we had a couple of occasions. Gundogan, um, just a kind of minor thing, but just something that kind of probably. I know the the, the one that we'll talk about in a minute, the the third, the Aguero one, really round pep up. But I'm sure this one did as well. There was a, there was a, it was in extra time. There was five minutes of extra time, and Gundogan had um, had the ball in midfield. Now there was an opportunity. If it was any nor if it was any normal match in any normal situation, a normal time situation, to yes, try and play the through ball. I think it was one of the wingers was uh, was three or running through on goal, or whatever. Um, it was in he was in kind of the centre midfield area, just outside the, the the centre circle, and there was an opportunity at least to kind of try and play some kind of of, of through ball. But this was in ex- in added on time against Liverpool. Really, really important game. We were, you know, we were two one up at the time. We were getting the three points, and we need to kind of to to run down the time. So rather than um, and at that time when he released the ball, he had about two or three blue shirts around him that he could have easily played little little one twos and started um, started um, wasting some time. He didn't do that. He tried the kind of aggressive pet way, I guess you could call it, of trying to play the through ball. It didn't work. Gave the ball back to Liverpool. And for pretty much those five minutes, um, Liverpool, it felt like Liverpool had the ball. I'm sure that wasn't the case, but they did have a lot of the ball within that five minutes. And the other one, the other one, which is just ridiculous, was obviously the Aguero shot from the, um, from the just I think it's just inside the centre circle. But you know, first of all, Allison wasn't off his line really. It felt him in a good position where if the keeper was off his line, it was a good play. It was a good, you know, a good, um, a good time to try and hit the ball over there or whatever. But it just wasn't. It just wasn't on. It just, just wasn't on, was it? it just, and also, it's in the 90 or whatever minute. It was an added on time. Keep the ball again. There were lots of City players around you, and I think Pep went absolutely crazy, and rightly so. You got to play the situation. Like one of the best things I've ever seen on a football pitch was last season at Old Trafford, beating them 2-1 in in added on time. I'm pretty sure we had the ball for like 80% of it. We we kept the ball. There was like that pattern of play where we kept the ball in the corner for, was it, two or three minutes. That was one of the best passages of play I've ever seen in my life where I think it's Bernardo and um, uh, Kevin De Bruyne. And it's just, it's beautiful. It's brilliant to watch. It's, it's, it's 
it's it's tactical it's it's just brilliant and I loved it but where was that where was that against Liverpool it was just it was hair raising it was ridiculous I don't know what we were doing um so yeah anyway it was just it was just it, it was just one of these kind of really annoying um annoying things that didn't need to happen I think we're going to need to kind of implement that mentality if you will if we're going to go further in the Champions League, for instance, um, you know the, the matches in the Champions League, you're guaranteed that a couple of them are going to be close. They're going to be tight, um, even though they kind of the aggregate score wasn't tight. But even against you know against Liverpool, it was tight. It was close, and you need those, and you're going to need that kind of um, that cleverness, if you see it, you know that kind of football know-how, if we are going to go far in that competition and I think someone like De Bruyne for instance if he was on that pitch would have known that and if De Bruyne was in those positions where Aguero and Gundogan was he wouldn't have given the ball away in that position he would have kept the ball try to move it into the corners um, try to play around and keep the ball for a couple of minutes it, you know it, it, it wastes time it enables us to win the match um, and that was kind of one of the most frustrating things we lacked a little bit of professionalism and discipline there and I was just a bit um, just a bit frustrated with that but you know, one thing that you can't have a go at Aguero for is that is that goal. I mean, that goal against Liverpool was just oh, it's just beautiful. I, it, I don't know how he's done it. I don't know how he continues to do it. But like I said, the one and even though I've just criticised um, Aguero, so I'm kind of going against what I basically just said. Well, I always say when I speak to my dad and other people about this, I say, look, the one thing, the one player. Um, probably a few players that I would, I wouldn't, I would, I would find it very difficult to, to criticise in the city in the city team. But the one player that I just don't want to criticise, don't like to criticise, um, is Aguero. Yeah, you, there are, th- yeah, you could pick holes in his game and blah. You know, is he the pe- perfect kind of pet number nine? All that, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, of course, you can you can pick holes in that until the cows come home. But one thing that he will always do is is win us. Um, winners games, winners matches, score goals, score goals that you didn't think possible. There are many goals that Aguero has scored that have just been ridiculous, and this was another one of them. Probably one of the most ridiculous goals that you will see. I mean, you know, the the touch to take it round. You kind of you got in front of Lovren any anyway, but the touch to get it it just in front of him, um, so he could run onto it in the kind of the direction he was running in anyway. Then, um, to have the foresight to kind of take that extra little kind of half step, so it has arrived pretty much on the kind of, just bouncing up on the kind of half volley, and absolutely smelt it into the, into the only place where he could place it, that it would have gone into that anywhere else. It's hitting the post, it's hit Alisson's arm, it's hit Alisson's body, it's hitting the crossbar. It's just, it's one of these unbelievable finishes that only... Um, someone like Aguero or Messi or some of these, you know, the ridiculous kind of, um, you know, phenomenal footballers can do. And it, it, like I said, it just goes to sh- show his importance to the team. He, like I said, is he the ideal like number nine as far as like you know Pep's concerned? If he can kind of buy or create or mould a kind of a perfect number nine for him or whatever, I don't think he is thinking of give him a little bit more stature, a little bit more pace, a, 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 you know, a little bit perhaps that that kind of thing, but. For me, he is just—he's just ridiculous, um, and it's uh, you know—it's a privilege, it's an honour to have him in the, in his team when he's doing things like that. He is just ridiculous. Like I said, if only a hand, very small handful uh, group of people could could actually do that, and um, I don't know how he does it, and I'll continue to do it. He's ridiculous. That goal was ridiculous. Absolutely loved it. It deserved to win, even though it wasn't the, the, the winning goal, but it deserved, that goal deserved to be on the kind of the winning side of a match. It was it, it was just sumptuous, it was beautiful. Um, I loved it. Um, and that's it. And I think overall, I think we played better than Liverpool did. I think we created the better chances. I think it was, you know, they created chances as well. It wasn't a really interesting match, really interesting kind of tactical battle. I don't think they played their best match either, really. Um, but just... Um, yeah, just to, and obviously the fact that we've won the match kind of keeps the the title race alive. We're only kind of four points behind them now. So um, coming into again a really interesting game, um, lot of fixtures. 
Um, they've got some matches against some of the, the bottom teams in the league. So have we. But then we've got, I think, three games. We've got um, we've had uh, the FA Cup game um, against uh, Rotherham. Uh, put that to bed. 7-0. Easy. Bish, bash, bosh. Liking that. Um, really good attitude. Liking the confidence. Liking the number of goals we scored. Then we've got the um, the two Burton matches coming up. Obviously, one this week. Um, and we've obviously got the second leg as well coming up soon. And then, but we've got three, I think, Premier League matches. One on the Monday night against Wolves. And then we've got a couple of other matches against some of the ones in the low, lower uh, the lower reaches of, um, um, of the league. And I think Liverpool have as well. But then we've got two matches um, at home against Chelsea and Arsenal. So that's going to be really, really interesting. So what can we do there in terms of, you know, I think if we, if we win those two, I think if we, it's going to be a big ask. But we've got five matches coming up. Three against kind of um, easier opposition. Um, two against um, two kind of competitors that are fighting for that kind of the top four. So Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, and if we can get five wins from that, I think we're we're close. We're cl- we're clo- definitely close to, um, to to Liverpool. And obviously, you know, they they could win all those matches. and It could still be four points. But I think if you know if we win those matches then it's it's even closer so it's yeah gonna be gonna be a really interesting period this next kind of month and a bit um and yeah just really really looking forward to like i said big confidence boosting win against liverpool cemented that with the 7-0 win against rotherham um so yeah so now it's it's kind of going into this period we've got the squad we've got the players um a few players obviously like i said come back kind of from um from injury so just yeah really looking to um kind of yeah get hold of this kind of title race and hopefully just gain a few points back um from from Liverpool even more so it it you know it becomes an actual proper title race where there's only a couple of points in it and hopefully we kind of come out on top but I think you know we may look back on that win against Liverpool as a real turning point in the season obviously I'd you know Liverpool are going to have to um go some to to replicate what they did in the first half of this of this season, um, and I don't think they'll do it. I don't know. You know, they may only lose another one game, but I think they'll probably draw a few more than they did um, um, in in the first part of the season. So uh, it, it's all going to depend on whether City kind of slip up as much as they have, or whether we can match the kind of the um, and not and like I said, I think actually on balance for me. I think City have played the better football um, and have been the best team this season. That's just not me talking as a City, a City fan. But one thing you uh, do, you do have to kind of um, uh, give kind of you know kudos and credit for to Liverpool is their absolute consistency and just kind of how solid and how they've managed to kind of grind a lot of results out. And clearly, yeah, other results they've absolutely smashed teams and their front three are absolutely frightening. At, 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 at stages in the matches, and we saw that against City, with that you know that um, the one where Mane hit the post and it came back, and um, John Stones cleared it off the you know cleared it off the line, and just a little thing on that. There's been you know I think you know talk I think the Adrian Drummond talk sport was like oh it should only be if if more than half the ball blah blah blah. No, <laughs> it's just yeah okay on kind of certain replay certain angles whatever you could think it's over the line, but. That it's based. It's based on science. It's based on whether. It's based on um, uh, trajectory, velocity, whether the 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 the, whether the the you know angles and the ball. It's all to do with science. It's science stuff. Science geeks have worked this out. Science geeks have worked out that whether a ball across the line due to you know, a number of different kind of circumstances or whatever. And it's not for us to then to kind of question that science at the end of the day like they were kind of saying oh yeah but on the on the picture on the cartoon it it didn't look like it was across the line or whatever but it's like well well i don't i don't really care what the what the cartoon says it's not a cartoon it's just a it's a graphic representation of the science the science says it was only what 1.1 centimeters or 11 millimeters or whatever um from going over the line um but that you know but but that's it that's what it was it was not over the line i don't care if it was point one it still wasn't it wouldn't have been over the line it's not over the line it's like and a, and a centimeter is a centimeter do you know what i mean it's 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 not it's not um a, it's clearly not a very large large amount and it's very very close 
but it doesn't really matter, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, whether it's, like I said, whether it's 0.1 or 1.1 or whatever centimetres, it, it, I don't care, it's, it, like I said, it's, that's the science, that's the rules, whether the ball's crossed the line, all of the ball has to cross the line, it's been the way it has been in football ever since I was playing and growing up, that's how we used to play down the park, in our, like, you know, little matches and whatever, it, you know, has the whole ball crossed the line, that's, you know, that's the thing, and the science now tells us that it has or it hasn't, and then it has a graphic depiction of that, and how close it actually is, um, so yeah, anyway, it's just, that was just, it just really wound me, <laughs> I know, I know maybe this is kind of, certain people like pressing, I don't know, trying to press certain buttons to try and get reaction, and clickbait, and all that kind of stuff, I don't know, I don't think it's all kind of, to, have discussion where no discussion is necessary but it does seem a bit ridiculous doesn't it it's kind of one of these black and white issues like we know that it didn't cross the line we it it didn't cross the line we know this why are we even having discussion about it it's a, it's a bit ridiculous that we've you know we're bringing in this technology we're bringing in goal line talent bringing in var which i think is an absolutely positive thing for football yes there are going to be some teething problems yes there are going to be mistakes made but i think overall you'll see results that hinge less on bad and poor mistakes or um, oversights from, from referees and officials um, and more that are based on the kind of the actual skill and action that's happened on the field. So that can only be a positive thing in 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 in, in my world um, and in my opinion. So, uh, but anyway, so yeah, that's um, that's it. Like I said, uh, really interesting period for, for City at the moment. Um, we're going to have another one of these uh, next week. And yeah, so um, that's it for now. Obviously, um, if uh, follow us or get in contact, um, it's um, it's at Man City Voice on Twitter or at Soccer PM, which is my uh, personal one. So yeah, I've been Peter. I've been your I've been your host. Come on, you Blues! Obviously, we've got uh, Burton coming up um, this week in the first leg. It, you know, without it being too disrespectful for Bert, to Burton, I know obviously we're kind of this is on the um, on the back of and the eve of um, FA Cup upsets. But um, but I, I can't over a two, especially over two legs. I just can't see um, I can't see City slipping up. So I would, if I was Pep, I'd kind of play a very similar team to that played um, at the weekend against um, um, against Rotherham. I think that would be again. I think that'd be positive. I think he will make a kind of the odd change. I think he'll. I think he would swap. Um, Stones, the players that played, perhaps I'll keep Edison anyway. Uh, although Murch, if he's fit, play has played all of the kind of League Cup matches. So I think Murch will go in goal. Um, I'd get Stones out because he's played kind of two um, uh, pretty much 90-minute matches over um, over a few days. And then you've got um, and then you've got Thingy as well. So uh, Sterling, Sterling who started starting against Liverpool, starting against uh, Rotherham as well. So um, yeah, that's the that's the two. Um, kind of main changes that I would make and I'm sure if I you know if I kind of have a gauge for how Pep's kind of either thinking or just getting a, a feel for what, what he does in terms of the, the changes that he makes that's probably where he'll go uh, but I'd like to you know again I'd like to see Foden play I think Foden had a pretty fairly decent game against Rotherham um, again just doesn't look out of place um, but for me, I'd like to. I know it's, it's early days in his career, but I, it was good that he got the goal. Obviously, a bit kind of lucky, really. But it'd be good to see um, him just kind of express himself just a little bit more and take hold of games and be a bit more daring and just yeah, just really kind of take take games to the opposition and really kind of stamp his authority and his um, his skill on a game because um, even though. Um, and I think he's, he's more than capable of doing that. I just don't think he's quite done that in um, enough of the kind of appearances and things that we've seen so far. Um, it's it's early days. You can tell there's an absolute um, quality player um, there, but it's just whether um, it's just whether uh, you know he can kind of continues to get these kind of um, the number of minutes under his belt and continues to kind of build build confidence that way and I think having FA Cup matches and the League Cup matches coming up I think that's that's going to be really positive for him like I said I think the, you know the one match where he really did shine was against Oxford away where he got um, a couple of unbelievable assists and that really nice goal um, but because he's been bit part since then I think it's just really difficult I think particularly for a midfielder I think midfielders rely on a lot of um, uh, kind of repetition and confidence through repetition and and that kind of thing and I think if is, is uh, I think he can 
Um, hopefully, with the League Cup matches coming up and the FA Cup matches coming up and getting those kind of, you know, 90 minutes under his belt, I think it's going to be really, really positive for him. So, um, yeah, that's our that's our kind of, you know, our focus on Foden for this week. And like I said, I think it was a fairly decent performance by him. I'd really like to see him start again in the League Cup. I think he will. Um, but we'll see. Like I said, I know like, um, Pep likes to make a few changes um, just to kind of freshen things up. But I think the players that played against Liverpool, started at least against Liverpool and, um, and Rotherham should be changed. Um, but as to who else plays, who knows? I'm not really too bothered. Um, but I would like to see, for me, I'd like to see Jesus. Uh, Jesus.